At 5.55 in the morning, long before anyone should be out of bed, Edgar and Allan Poe sat on tall swivel chairs three miles apart at the TV studios of New Orleans' two top morning shows. At WKEU, the makeup artist for Rise and Shine New Orleans applied layers of greasy gunk onto Edgar's face. Meanwhile, stagehands across town at the studios of WJRT's Wake Up New Orleans pinched and poked at Allen's back and shoulders to attach a battery pack and wireless microphone beneath his jacket. Five minutes to airtime, stage managers shouted at each of the stations. Edgar and Allen watched from the wings as battalions of crew members in each studio put on wireless headsets and took positions behind cameras, lights, microphone booms, or control boards. The two sound stages became even more hectic when the show's smiling hosts at WKEU, a man with good hair. At WJRT, a woman with excellent posture. Emerged from their dressing rooms. The hosts made their ways onto their similarly cheerful sets where each was met like royalty by eager assistants. What a grandiose production, Edgar thought. Across town in the other studio, Alan agreed with his brother. Grandiose is just the half of it, he observed. You'd think this was the opening ceremony of the Olympics instead of just a show for people to watch while they eat their cornflakes. Across town, Edgar chuckled under his breath. Or, if not cornflakes, strawberry pancakes, he added to the psychic conversation. Strawberry pancakes were the boy's favorite. Yum! Alan murmured ravenously. They hadn't eaten breakfast yet. Two minutes to airtime places, everybody. You ready to put on a good show, Edgar? a production assistant at WKEU asked. All set to brighten up New Orleans, Alan? asked a WJRT assistant. Sure, why not? The boys answered identically and with perfect synchronization. Of course, no one knew this except the Poe twins, who remained in one another's minds at all times, even when they were physically apart. Yes, even for identical twins, Edgar and Alan were unusual. The boy's uncle and aunt, Jack and Judith Poe, who had remained back at the hotel to watch the broadcast, having bundled their nephews off when the limousines from the TV stations arrived, thought of them simply as clever boys with overactive imaginations and a taste for mischief. But that wasn't the whole story. The boy's friends back in Baltimore thought Edgar and Allen were not only the smartest and oddest pair in school, but also the most valuable when it came to livening things up with pranks. That wasn't the whole story either. Ironically, the most astute description of the boys might have come from Professor S. Pangborn Perry, their arch-nemesis. Professor Perry had been observing Edgar and Allen since they were born. First, he'd observed as a legitimate researcher, and then when the boys' parents forbade him from seeing them, as a spy tracking their every movement. Professor Perry knew this. Edgar and Allan Poe were so alike that not only was it impossible for others to tell them apart, but even the twins didn't see themselves as separate boys. One moment one was Edgar, the next he was Allan. Whatever one knew, the other also knew. Whatever one saw, the other saw, simultaneously. The boys could not explain how their two brains worked as one or how such perfect coordination had come to be. Regardless, this connection ensured that the twins' deductive and imaginative powers 
exceeded even the high expectations placed on them as descendants and namesakes of one of America's most brilliant 19th-century writers. It also meant that Professor Perry, who theorized that their connection had something to do with quantum physics, wanted to kidnap them, killing one and keeping the other captive to use as a channel of communication from this world to the world of the dead. At 6 a.m., a red light glowed atop a TV camera in each of the two studios. Recorded theme music blared, and big electronic signs overhead snapped to life reading, On the Air. 